action wise and i feel i feel like i should have done more and when chris was coming on the shows uh almost two years ago when he first started coming on the scene um i was definitely supportive of what he was sharing never thinking if i'm honest never thinking that he would succeed if i'm being honest with you um but i now feel very much ashamed i didn't do what i should have did which maybe you know give some money to his his team support him in any other way other than just talking about it uh because he's done so much more than many others haven't have tried to actually haven't done anything you know with the likes of bernie or others uh they could have been behind them uh they could have been out there at the very front but in some ways uh savvy it's actually better that they were not there and that he was able to succeed without their help just with him and his team because that proves that we don't need these people we just need regular people to get behind something and do the right things now it, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy and and I'm really glad that you pointed out how humble this guy is uh he's not trying to shine any light on himself uh you know i've heard him talk on many shows and he doesn't do that he's very much about the team and helping everybody and to me that's very honorable so yeah i definitely hear you um i think that I think a big part of the problem that I've noticed and honestly this I can think about this in, uh in reference to undergrad as well because I, I went to school with with people who kind of had the same mindset it's like they came from families that were pretty well lost financially right um some some of them came from really wealthy families and it seemed like they would support causes or they would say they were supportive of it but when it came to the actual action, that is where they seem to be missing in, in so many words. Like, uh, it's like the people that we see on Twitter that have like the Black Lives Matter, you know, acronym in their Twitter bio, uh, but they don't really take action in a sense when they can. Like, they're, it's just like a cool thing to do. So that's what they have. But I think right. that when we talk about, uh, privilege and people who have privilege and they're on the left and they're on these large platforms. The scary part for me is that they're reaching a lot of people and their viewers, some of them listen to us. Some of us, some of them have never even heard of who we are. And this is the message that they're getting. And I really would, would hate for people who are working class and for people who are poor to continue to pour their money into this decrepit uh, two-party system, hoping and waiting for some type of change. And I think it is naive to sit back and believe that we're going to get it through this way. Because as I've told you guys multiple times before, both parties are owned by Wall Street. And so to hear her say that the people who are criticizing AOC, that we're just you know, trying to cultivate a right-wing audience. Are there some people that may be doing that? Yes, there may be. But I think they're missing the bigger picture, which is this is more about a class issue for a lot of people than it is about left versus right at this point. And I think the pandemic really revealed a lot of that, like how people are struggling financially. People don't have health insurance. 
And I feel like they don't get that. And I feel like they don't get that because I don't feel like they're talking to people that are from those class circles other than interviewing like a union organizer. How often do they interact with people of different class or lower class levels, uh, you know, than them? And Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say you're 100% accurate on your, what you're depicting there, what's going on with these guys. They're disconnected from people. You know, I, I think I've told you I'm okay, but I have majority of my friends that I grew up with are not okay. Many of them got laid off during the uh, pandemic. Many of them ended up with jobs uh, doing uh, door dashing. Many of them, I mean, several of them, these of my guys, uh, and, and women that I know ended up doing door dashing. They lost their jobs. Uh, they're not in a good place, generally speaking. Simultaneously, they also don't have the ability or the time to put into what we do, which is really to find out what's going on. Um, so even for them, I find myself telling them what's going on. And they consume so much of the mainstream media info they're unaware. I mean, most of the most of the folks that I don't, they don't even know about the ALU win, uh, and that it doesn't matter. You know their uh, status. Most of them just don't know the class status. I mean, I got guys who who are well off, and I got a lot of people that I know that are not well off, and they don't know what's going on. They only consume the mainstream media news, which is unfortunate. But I understand it. They don't have the time. They're tired. It's unfortunate. But here's, you know, where AOC can, can be easily criticized. She has 13 million followers. She can be, she could be educating people. She She's not going to lose much if she did that. Uh, and, and if she was strategic, she could do a lot of good. But she's, for whatever reason, I, I don't know the reasons, because it seems like as soon as they join and they win, Corey Bush, the whole squad, they sort of turn their back on the people that were there behind them where they could be doing a lot of good and, and they don't do it savvy over and over. It's been proven that we cannot count on these guys. Uh, so for Nomiki, uh, the majority report to provide any sort of cover for AOC at this point, is just not warranted. Crystal ball also took advantage of, of uh, Chris Wall's win. She was kind of riding on his coattails and she was trending uh, and some, so I think, I think it was CJ uh, pointed that out, or, or or one of the other guys on the RBN uh, shows this week was they were pointing this out that the hey, she's riding on his coattails and not really pointing out that it's him and his group that did this. So mm. you know, there's a lot of that sort of they play with that, uh, but it's okay. To me, the the biggest thing that I took away this week is Chris Mall one. His team with them also did all this work, and I need to do more about it. I need to do a better job or whatever it is, whether it's, you know, giving some money and taking a little bit more action on my part and not get so caught up with all this other gibberish. I need to do something. And because Chris Maul really, really uh, re-energized me this week when I saw him speak. And he basically said, hey, if I can do this, I don't even have a job. <laughs> and, and look at what I did with, with our team. And I'm like, man, that guy's amazing. To me, that's an American hero. I agree. I agree. Um, Janice Anderson, thanks so much for the super chat. She said 
She is an astral turfer. She saw how popular Bernie was in 2016 and jumped on the bandwagon. She has spent the last several years attempting to mislead Bernie supporters back into the DNC. Wow. Thanks, Janice. Well said. Um, I want to get your opinion also about the calling out for the other people. I, I just didn't understand where that was going. Like, Calling out Jimmy Dore, calling out Aaron Mate. I just didn't understand what they had to do with so, this particular situation. Well, what I think is what I think Nomiki's been doing is she's been taking advantage of any sort of hot topic and sort of uh, divert or project bad energy, whatever word you want to use, onto Jimmy and Aaron because they've been calling them out. They've been sort of like shining light on on the left, the boutique left, uh, including the majority report, Nomiki, the humanist report, uh, rational national, uh, TYT. These are guys that Jimmy has demolished over the last two years. And essentially they've all, all sort of joined together and they've gone after Jimmy. They've taken shots at Jimmy and Aaron. And Aaron, you know, I, I don't know Aaron, but I've been, you know, the way I came to find him was through Jimmy. I mean, the guy is amazing. He's like the real deal. He goes out to other countries. He reports. He seems like he's completely on the level, what he's reporting on. And for them to call out Aaron, it's just on call for. Jimmy is a little bit different because he's so passionate and he can yell and he can get really animated. So that's why people kind of go after that. But I've told you that all in all, if you remove that passion from what Jimmy's saying, he's batting like a thousand. He's the guy's batting a thousand. And I don't agree with everything he says, but generally speaking, I would say that Jimmy is doing and saying things that are way ahead of the curve. Uh, and these guys are just, you know, hating on him for lack of, you know, for a simple term to use. They're just hating on the guy. He's got over a million subscribers now and he's, continues to go up a little bit at a time, even with the algorithm sort of going against him. Uh, and he has done a lot. You know, he's been on RBN. He's been, he's brought a lot of people. He's platform AOC, Corey Bush. I mean, the guy did all of that. And then these guys, so it's just, it, it, and, um, these guys are definitely grifting. Uh, and they see the writing on the wall, I believe, because I think more people on the left are seeing and they're up on their game, if that makes sense. Mm. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I'm going to take the next caller. Thank you, Savvy. Have a good Friday. You too. All right, Anthony, you're up. You're on the mic. Hey, good evening. What's going on? Is It, it feels like hey, Saturday. I'm great. How are you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Feels like Saturday because I went down to the uh, baseball game today and uh, the Detroit Tigers they won for the opening day. That was great. So, <laughs> oh wow, it was it was pretty exciting. I didn't go in to the game, but you know I kind of bummed around out there. <laughs> yep. I'm not even a huge sports fan, but it's you know once a year opening day baseball. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal uh, here in Boston as well uh, for Red Sox. Um, what, what's your take on all of this? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, oh, so I, I have a 
idea on the criticized AOC, but I'll get to that. But first of all, Nomiki and Emma aren't their parents like deep DNC dirty players, like just straight up DNC like people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's not even funny. <laughs> like, so that just tells you all you need to know right there. They're that's what they're going to work towards anyway. I don't even know what they, they say their harm reduction. I mean, that's what I think they think their philosophy is, uh, you know, like we got to vote for Joe Biden because Trump's the biggest evil ever. And well, okay, but that's not really a cohesive political education or a political movement. That's just like being frantic. I don't even know. Yeah. Also that's not left. Yeah. I mean, if they're if they're supposed to be leftists, like why why defend Joe Biden? That's a great question, and that brings me to um, they you know talking about criticizing AOC. Well, there's plenty to criticize the actress on call for. I I didn't come up with that, obviously, but. Uh, you know, she's not the only one. You, you got three, four others in the squad. They're all making a bunch of mistakes. And uh, I don't know if you could call them mistakes or intentional. It's it's hard to tell. And then you got even a bigger progressive caucus, and they're about as progressive as what? Joe Biden's dementia. It's crazy. And if you look, the uh, all the Democrats, including most of the fraud squad, were at the White House two days out of the last week the day Obama was there to celebrate the ACA, come on. And then uh, the next day to sign the Postal Reform Act. And yeah, of course they had to get pictures with Joe Biden and it's they're all in the limelight. And it's like, oh, so you like war criminals. You have absolutely no judgment. It's just all about the limelight. So that's, I mean, that's really what it is for them. It's pretty obvious. And they, they they win their next elections, and they they hit the five year mark. The squad, and they get their pension in Congress. Oh my God, Anthony! Thank you so much for bringing that up. That's so true. That's so true. I don't know if everyone is aware of that, but all they need is five years to get the pension, and they get speaking fees, engagement fees. Like this is like, <laughs> I mean, at that point, you are a career politician, even though some of them said they didn't want to be a career politician. Oh yeah. I'm ready to bring the ruckus and do one term, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I know they call it a bread tube. I, and, but I call it in my mind, it's like, I, I keep having this phrase half a loaf. That's all these people they want you to fight for. Like when we say they compromise us, they compromise before they even negotiate and like public option. And then they don't even have that. And, um, they, they they're just it's not even crumbs they're like fighting for half a loaf of bread they're telling us to what we should want as the lower people and it's pretty sad they're like come on yeah the aca it's not perfect but it did a lot it's like no it's not hell okay it did but it's a lot is not enough you know like right there, there you should under no position ever be defending that piece of legislation or anything really as a leftist Right, exactly. And I think that's that's part of the problem, too. Um, the Al Show said some of the wealthier types on the left believe in helping the working class in principle and not in reality. What's your opinion about that? Yeah. And well, yeah, because in reality, I mean, it's kind of like give a man a fish or teach him to fish. And 
I don't know, but I don't know. It's like vicarious. It's like they, they, it's funny enough. I was criticizing Nomiki during force of the vote and she responds on Twitter. She's like, I'm on Medicare, yo. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm not, I don't have any health insurance. No, but okay. I didn't, that kind of struck that uh, surprised me, but. Right. But it's like she still has, she still has something. There you go. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are some people that have nothing. Like there's some people that can't get on Medicare or Medicaid. Yeah. So I don't know. They're vicarious in my eyes. Like what do, what do they do? They go on media appearances and sit in front of a computer and they're not putting in a lot of thought and analysis like you in hard hours. So it's, uh, yeah, they're not really workers. I wouldn't say. Oh man. All right. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much. I'm gonna go ahead and take the next caller. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right, Lance, you are next up on the mic. What is your take on all of this? Uh, are people who criticize AOT being wrong for us to do that on the left? All right, I'm doing. You too. Well, what I think is, what I think of generally speaking. Uh oh, I don't know what's happening here. Hey, good evening. What's going on? Oh, Eric, is that you in the background? <laughs> like Saturday went out of the uh, baseball game today and uh, the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Eric, I think there's a playback. Okay, it's gone. Um, Lance, can you hear me? Yes, yes. What's your thing yeah. on all of this, Lance? Well, on that last point, and then about ALC, but they want workers to make good wages if they work for Walmart or Amazon. But a lot of these folks, like half the jobs are created by small businesses. They're the ones who own the restaurants and the small businesses. They don't want minimum. And the people that cut their lawns and the people that, because they're not, right, the people that cut their lawns, the people that take care of their kids. And they, so the same people, they want, they're, they're, they're liberals. But if that means they got to start going out when they're small business and paying people, to, you know, a lot more money and a lot more benefits. So that's where that, that therein lies the rub. We, and it, it's something, it's a common theme about how the left is now, two generations removed from anything remotely, you know, resembling working class or getting their hands dirty. They didn't like the old days when I grew up where it was like, like in the suburbs, even when I grew up, there would be like the guy with the boat, maybe had a camper and a pickup truck up oh, there's that driveway. And then on the other side would be the Mercedes with the other covered car, you know, the, the uh, Mercedes SUV and then the uh, covered car, sports car. And you knew that the guy on the left was a lawyer, a banker, a doctor, and the guy on the right, had a good union job with a working class guy, but they were all in the suburbs. That's all gone for the next generation. So as far as, you know, the, the left, they, no, because where the rubber beats the road or where their bread is buttered, they have to be against all of the things. They don't They don't want the working class. And what I say, it's not a NIMBY problem. It's a nymphy problem. Yeah, you're welcome in the backyard. You're welcome at the fundraisers. You're welcome. We'll even put you on the mic to talk about your cause. But we don't really want you in the front yard. As long as you're using the back door, you're good to go. So. That's what I say is happening with uh, so many causes, whether it's the Women's March, whether it's, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the money going to the, the corporate, you know, and all of that stuff. It's whoever sells out will do good. Whoever does it won't. And so that's what's gone on the left, I think. But as far as AOC and all this, okay, she, you know, here's the whole thing from both sides. And I'll leave with this. Not just her, but think about the people at Amazon 
that wanted to paint. They said, let's make Christian Smalls the face of this whole thing. He said, okay, I'm down. He was a five-year Amazon guy. He was pro-Amazon. He was what they call a manager. He was wage, you know, punch a clock. But he trained people. He liked Amazon. He wanted to move up the chain. Here's what he said in this open thing they did earlier today. It was wonderful, celebrating what they're doing. And then behind them was the new building across Staten Island they're going to, you know, do next. He said, I tried to be a manager manager 50 times. But when you have a reputation, and it was another guy who did the same thing. They said, if you have a reputation of being pro-worker, you'll never get those jobs, even if you qualify, because, of course, it's management. So he wanted to be management of Amazon. He really did. He wasn't somebody who came in as a socialist. Oh, I got after a year of disgruntled employee. So what they underestimated from both sides was the fact that, and he didn't change anything, right? When he's now the world's, you know, on the world stage, he didn't take off the hat or the hoodie. He's a guy in a baseball cap with one other person. And I'll just say in the last 75 years, at least he's there with big Bill Hayward or, you know, uh, WB, any of the union heroes. This guy is up there. Nobody, maybe ever has done anything like this in, in labor, uh, you know, movements. It's always been a mass of people as opposed to just two guys with, with a table within the factory totally. And it's brilliant. Uh, I'll leave with that for now. You know? Yes, I agree. Like, you know, he's, he's so humble. And I, I think that's, that's incredibly important if you're, it's incredibly important to, to keep that uh, even if you, are in the spotlight. And a lot of people are, are reaching out to him, obviously. And for some people that can go to their head. And I think Chris is is still Chris, you know, and I think that's that's a really good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like uh he's a, he's a you know, they, they want yeah. yeah, it's like it's like, you know, sometimes like with liberals, it's like they want they want you to be a part of something, but then it's like they don't want you to come in through the front door, they want you to take the back door. And I'm seeing, uh, you know, a lot of that. And I think we really need to focus a lot more on workers organizing and unions or creating unions. Uh, MIT grad students, I forgot to mention this earlier today. Whoopsie. Uh, I did a show last Friday on RBN about MIT grad students were trying to form a union. Well, they won. I, I found out the other morning that they won. And so this is a big deal for people who don't know. A lot of these PhD students at these universities, these professors use them and overwork them. And the, the, the students are the ones doing a lot of the work when it comes to the research environment, but the faculty get all the credit. And so I saw these kids like sleeping in the labs. I would leave work. They would be in the lab. I'd come back to work the next morning and they're asleep in the lab, like not getting enough sleep, uh, working these long, crazy hours, and then getting these small stipends. Uh, to live in the Boston area, which is just not afford. It's not affordable. If you're getting like $34,000 a year, that's nothing here. So, and these kids were working, working their asses off. And I'm glad that they were able to do that. And hopefully that encourages and inspires more grad students across the country to fight, to organize some type of union, because I've seen these faculty members exploit these students for years. Um, So that is some good news to share. Yeah, could I just, and I, I lived for a long time up near SU, Syracuse University, huge campus. And back like I don't know, 20 years ago, a lot because of international students, they were booming. They was cranes. They were taking over everything they didn't already take over. And it was booming. And yet, in the outer university area, after you get past the campus and the dorms, and then the two family, you know, big apart that were originally built as big flats for students. Then beyond that was the outer university. And it was a middle-class neighborhood, like a, like a middle-class suburban neighborhood. 
you know, houses fairly close together, you know, uh, two family, or I mean, uh, no, mostly all single family, but two bedroom, three bedroom, and there was for sale signs, like everywhere. I said, this does not compute. Why is the campus, you know, uh, thriving like crazy? And yet all these people where all the professors live, this is where all the young professors live with their young families. That's what it was. I'm like, why, what? And of course it was, you know, going from 70, 30, faculty to administrators to now it's like 70 30 administrators to now you're saying you know no tenure almost anymore and just all like slave wage laborers but so yeah i saw that yep. happen agreed well lance thanks so much for calling in i'm gonna go to the next caller all right and we are going to justin you are now the next caller I think hello? you just have to unmute. Yep. Hello. Hey there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm nervous. Justin, what, what's your take on all of this? Uh, just a refresher. We're talking about privilege on the left. Uh, Nomiki Kunz says commentators on the left who criticize AOC are problematic. Are they grifters or are privileged leftists missing the plot? Uh, I think they are grifters and it's not that they're missing the plot. They're kind of like feeding into exactly what's going on in our society. Like all of our systems are kind of uh, contingent on certain factors in our society to be a reality. And when those aren't a reality, everything else uh, like symbiotically can't function. Like, I think that's why we see a lot of like police brutality, the breaking down of like, uh, the education system, the American family, the economy, like we see all of this going on and it's really hard to like figure out where the thread goes back to. And a lot of it, sorry if this is kind of like a tangent and off of it, but I think it's an important part that is kind of missing in the conversation to where they're actually feeding in and providing cover for what's really going on. And if you look at, um, oh crap, what is like the Gillens and Page study of like the policy wants and like what we actually are going to vote for and how our vote uh, actually comes out and impacts our society. Um, we've seen by that study that it our vote effectively does nothing. And if you look at a lot of other uh, things that were like laws that were instituted you'll see that it's like a total toppling of like our autonomy and like all freedoms that we would rely on to then uh, be a part of this overall society to cast a vote and my vote matters, your vote matters, let's fight for something. So what do we actually do if none of like relying on the systems that uh, historically we could vote for X, Y, Z and it would change. So what do we do if, these very systems that like voting for AOC and what she believes in by virtue of her position. And like this then feeds into like uh, what, uh, what did she say? Emma said something like to not criticize or demonize these people. Like she's kind of saying a little right. bit of the quiet part out loud there in the sense of like, it, it doesn't really matter if you demonize it. That's why they really focus or, it doesn't matter if you demonize it or deify them and because nothing that they're doing actually matters. They're there as like an apparatchik for the state 
to make it appear as if they're doing something. Like uh, you said earlier about them only being there really to get that pension after five years. Like, and I think the mm-hmm. veneer of all of this is starting to really wear off. And I think like, if you look at where we were pre COVID, I feel like there's that, uh, it only takes 13% of a population to force like a revolution. There were so many factions at that time, like really motivated to do something nefarious or good. But I feel like the government kind of saw that. And that's why they're still instituting COVID policies that make no sense. And they're to censure you away from like any sort of like movement that could, or like commingling with people that could form a movement that could actually do something. And I, like, I hate to say, I don't think online uh, is going to be the way to go because they could just shut it off at any time. And then what do we do? Like, we need to build in community movements around us, like all around the United States. Sorry. I took an edible earlier. Oh, no. No, <laughs> uh, no need to apologize. Um, I'm glad that's a good point. I'm glad you brought up the part about online because that is a reality that I think we all need to come to grips with, right? Like, this is why I tell you guys to sign up for my newsletter. So that's my email list. So I have a way to reach you because that's the reality. Like, what if we wake up tomorrow and Twitter's gone? What do we do, yeah. right? Well, they've been intimating uh, so- something like that. Right. Like this could happen uh, any day, you know, any time. And I think that I think you're right about the fact that this is just I think people have an idea like they really know that this is done. I think people know this is done. And I think people who have pretty much like made their careers during like the Bernie movement, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a a scary time I can imagine for them because where do you go now? Right? Like the idea or the hope was that Bernie would win, but anyone who's been in the DNC system and Nomiki has been a part of that system. She knows how this works. And so I think they should have known that there was no way that the DNC was going to let Bernie Sanders win. And the rest of us, you know, I fell for it. I was very gullible at that point, like, I really believe, like, yeah, you know, Bernie really has a chance here, not understanding all of the ins and outs that was happening with the DNC, even when it comes to the money, even some of the progressive candidates finding out that even they had had taken, like, dark money. So I I think that it's just, I think this is a reality check for a lot of people. And, and sometimes I wonder, had it not been for the pandemic, the, excuse me, the pandemic, would some of us have even seen this now or would we still kind of be saying like, yes, let's just keep pushing through, pushing progressives through. Yeah. That's what I've been wondering this whole time, because like, if you, if you look at a lot of what they've instituted, it's taken a lot of like with the whole, what was it like first, like 18 feet, 10 feet, eight feet, six feet. And uh, I can't remember. It was this very good um, novel about Korea during the war. And it was about this man that would, uh, he signed up for a job to knowingly to censor the mail. And uh, all of the like 
slow, like how a society slowly goes to fascism and how you're kind of a part of it and you don't really realize it until it's like coming for you with like that uh, World War II poem. Um, and right. I feel like that's kind of going on right now. And like another thing I wanted to, I, I always try to tell people anytime someone's talking directly to you, run the fuck away. Sorry to swear, but if they are talking directly to you, like a very small portion of the society, like, like I, as a gay man, right. When someone's shining a virtue signal right in my eye, I know I'm being worked over in some fashion, you know, always mm -hmm. look for how you're being worked over. And I'll, the left kind of falls into this trap of, uh, like it, it it falls into like the virtue of position like this person is hispanic so therefore they know the struggles of it so then they only like speak to certain factors of it to where if they were truly worried about this portion of the population they would be trying to change the whole of the society to benefit everyone like you raise all ships or what is that like all ships raise in a tide or something like that like, I don't know that that saying, but when someone's trying to cater directly to you, what they're actually doing is trying to separate you from other people because someone's going to point something out mm -hmm. and it's going to be deemed offensive in some fashion because how separated we've been since well, the beginning of the inception of this country, we've been all cloistered away in our own little bubbles. And this time, in this current uh, time we're living in, that's kind of been breaking down. And a lot more people, like I live in a very conservative area. Like all of my neighbors know I'm gay, very obvious. But the like, I've never had an issue here. Like granted, when I was younger, also a conservative area issues but it it seems like the world is kind of changing and those things that would keep us separate uh, people are slowly realizing that they're using the those positions that would uh kind of like the uh, archetypal depiction of whatever uh, person offensive or otherwise like they use the good and the bad to kind of warp your internal narrative and like the, it speaks to the id the kind of um, selfish part of the brain like finally I'm going to get what's mine but they're not going to do anything for you they're not going to do anything for right. anyone like it just it, it it's a convenience that they use much like AOC and all of these squad members. They know that there is a a real hunger for these changes, like for compassion and just just regular run of the mill empathy for our society. Like we're sick of seeing people like fall to pieces around us through a myriad of ways and we can't throw them a life vest because we'll drown with them. And it's just like a real existential yep. crisis that like we have to go through as a person. And like, am I the monster? Like, you know, and then it's back on us. Yep. Yep. Sorry. I agree I could so go much. on and on and on. <laughs> well, well said, Justin. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller.
Thank you. Sorry for the tangents. <laughs> oh, no worries. Um, actually, uh, before right before I go to Delthea, uh, Eric, I want to go ahead and take that comment on Rockfin from Roger Meadows. Thank you so much, Roger, for the tip on Rockfin. See that tabby? It's tabby. <laughs> oh, man, this beer is getting to me. See that, Sabby? I told you trust in the young people. They're light years ahead of us. You were panicking about if they'd be able to see through the BS. Also, Astoria, Astoria is more blue-collar working, maybe struggle class than affluent. I don't know, bud. I don't know about that, Roger Meadows. Have you looked at Astoria recently? A couple grand in rent's pretty day. affluent to me. Yeah, the rent is ridiculous. Uh, Queensbridge Projects is right there. You might be talking about old Astoria because there's there's a, there's new the newer part of Astoria and there's old Astoria. But I'm talking about the Greek, usually where uh, a lot of the um, a lot of Greek people live in Astoria. Um, I drive through it every day. Queensbridge Projects is right there. However, if you go on the other side of Queensboro Bridge, that is Long Island City, and that's affluent. I've been there. Yeah, Long Island City is also also affluent, but the rent in Astoria is ridiculous. Uh, Crystal brings union reporters and activists on her show all the time. This is not new space for her, so not sure what Nomiki means. I don't know, dude. She said she's her friend, so that was a little strange to me, too. Uh, yes, Sab, your dad was right. Back then, the news just reported the facts and commentary was a segment. Walter Cronkite was the most trusted name in news. Miss him. Just like I miss the late, great Ed Schultz, the man who along with Hartman introduced me to Bernie, Nina, an income inequality correlation with the decline of unions. John Nichols. New York State just did their budget today. The activists left were fighting for home health care workers to get $22 an hour minimum wage. Instead, the governor gave them $18. They're pissed. The activist left has to learn how to negotiate. Always overshoot what you really want. This way they talk you down to higher than what you actually want. That's a good point, Roger. Thanks for mentioning that. New York State minimum wage should be $35 an hour, so fight for $50. let us make a declaration, no more $15. I agree. And thanks for this as well. When one of your callers said that it only takes 13% of the population to cause a revolution, that now explains why the country has been pushing back against Black people since the 1800s, since we are 13% of the U.S. population. Well said, Roger. All right, Delthea, you are up next. So you're the next caller. Just got to unmute. Could be the app. You just got to uh, unmute Delthea. Let me look at the chat to see if there was anything. You can also um, comment in the chat to let me know if it's working or not. If not, I can just make you a speaker. See if that works. Okay, I invited you as a speaker, so you just got to accept the invite. Sorry, guys, the Android app is a little, be a little glitchy. Hit that like button, guys. Hit that like button. 
All right, Dothea, I'm going to come back to you. I think something may have happened. All right, Thomas, you are the next caller. And you just got to unmute. Thomas, if it's not um, working, just let me know. You can actually type in the chat. There's a chat up there that you can type in to let me know. See if it lets me make you a speaker. Hopefully they, they fix this, you guys. All right, Thomas, I'm going to go to the next person. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. Fractal. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're on the mic. Hi, how are you? Big fan of the show. Thanks so much. And Welcome. Thank you. Um, love what you guys are doing with Fred. Well, now Blackout Revolutionary Network. I believe Chris Hedges said it was five to seven percent at one time, so it can even be smaller on a revolution. Uh, I did oh, want wow. to, yeah, I did want to say, uh, no blue, no red or blue will do in 2022. That needs to be our motto since we don't got to worry about the presidency. It's perfect time to vote for other people and. When it comes to Nomiki and AOC and the left, I feel like we're all being gaslit in a way that really shows codependency, like codependent politics, which is like codependent morality, which is what respectability politics really is. Because it's no different from when the Republicans and the Democrats do this thing, like the Democrats said, oh, we couldn't do this because the Republicans. And it's like, why don't you just do the right thing because you can do the right thing? And so that also mm. ties into just this air of self-righteousness that the, that people, some factions of the left can have. So I do understand the difference between like being respectful and being respectable. And I think there's a way to be respectfully irreverent. Um, so where it just draws people in rather than being so much vinegar that it just pushes everybody out. But I say all that to say that I, I wanted to ask a, a question, something that hasn't been said. Is it possible, like it's one thing to expect the politicians we gave money to and to the politicians that we voted in to do what they say they're going to do, or at least to fight. You know, as Irony said, like, if you can't get the policy, clarify the fight. And that lets me know at the end of the day, you're willing to sign the paper and push the button if we get if we the people get things across the finish line. But when it comes to pushing Biden to the left and the Democratic Party to the left, I wonder if that's in the long run a good thing, because just like they were willfully incompetent, quote unquote, in the uh, Iowa caucus, I see a lot of willful incompetence when it comes to executing progressive leftist ideas to where I wonder if that's going to sabotage us and make it so disgusting in the public 
because the one success I can say that the Democratic um, Party had, or rather the uh, Justice Democrats and Bernie had, is that they rose the consciousness to get the ball rolling of these things are possible in our country and did it for five years. And now people are like, no, I don't want to accept less. Kind of something that um, the guy that cried about Elizabeth Warren, he also cried about Barack Obama back when TYT had some good reporting, more honest. They read the letter that he wrote to Obama saying, oh, you're making the culture too progressive because culture is how you keep the same energy over time. And so I wonder sometimes if pushing Biden to the left is a is a bad thing because they said that this tax credit was going to cut child poverty in half. Well, as Jimmy pointed out, it was originally that and the $15 minimum wage. So it's a lie in the first place. And then they just cut it off. So that makes people feel like, well, I don't want government to do anything ever again. And they started doing that when black people were integrated into the public sphere. So that's just my question. Do you think maybe we need to focus more on what Chris Smalls has been doing? And to Bernie's credit with Danny Glover showing the documentary of um, of uh, uh, what's his name back in uh, during the Gilded Age. I can't remember his name, but he uh, he was the progressive of his time, the socialist. And saying, if I lead you somewhere, I can lead you out of somewhere else. Don't follow anybody. Think for yourself. Democracy works. So that's my question to the floor. I think if the Democratic Party gets a hold of these progressive or leftist issues, I think they're going to water it down just like they do everything else. Because one thing I I want us all to remember and Actually, everyone may not be aware of this, but at one point, Nancy Pelosi was progressive. When Mm -hmm. she first entered, she was progressive. And in fact, she used to actually support universal health care. And I don't know if everyone is aware of that. So this is what happens, though, is that they get in and they go into a party that's owned by Wall Street. And I think a lot of these candidates have good intentions when they run. But then they get there, right? And then they realize, whoa, this is not what I thought this was going to be. And they realize they don't really have much power as they thought they would. Um, I'll give you an example about that when it comes to legislation. The squad hasn't passed any bills. They, They may, you know, write legislation, but I don't see a lot of these legislations even being brought to the floor. So the powers that be are not going to let them come in and disrupt this party. And I think that like you were saying, the idea of pushing Joe Biden left, he's just going to water it down. Like you mentioned the child tax credit, they took it away. And yeah, the same thing, like $15 minimum wage. There were eight Democrats. One of them's uh, independent, but still votes with Democrats. They voted against it. So at the end of the day, they're not going to pass anything that doesn't serve corporate interest. And I think that's something I want people to truly understand. The reason why these, these bills are not being brought to the floor, the reason why they're not forced, they didn't force the vote for Medicare for all is because at the end of the day, there's no corporate interest behind it. Everything that they put through is attached to corporate interests in some way, shape, or form. And I think the more people in this country that understand that, 
then I think we'll have more people rise up and say, I'm not voting for the two-party system anymore. But most people I talk to don't even know that. They don't realize how it actually works in D.C. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been on the ground. Um, people people are, are paying attention a whole lot more, uh, especially being black and talking to black people. We're like, yeah, we shouldn't just vote for the Democratic Party like that. I think that's why they don't want to pass the Voting Rights Act, because they know more people identify as independent more than ever. So, you know, power and money could come back. The person was Eugene Depps, but I definitely hear what you're saying. So I don't want to take up too much time, but that was just my question. I'm like, maybe we should just rely on ourselves to get the progressive policies done, because I do feel like Nancy and all of them, they're just really trying to rehabilitate the Republican Party because they need yep. them to not govern them, you know? And so we're going to mess up and prove the Republicans right. All these democratic or socialist or populist issues that will help people. We're going to screw it up, make it distasteful and make people not want it. So we can go back to the way it was. I really see that a lot. So, so the big things you should push for. Yes. But the little things like, I feel like Biden's just going to mess it up on purpose or somebody is maybe. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for the Good time. point. Thanks so much for calling in. Yep. All right, guys, I'm going to take the next caller. Greg Bruce, you are on the mic. Just got to unmute. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, your volume is really low. I don't know if that's me or you. Uh, it's very, very low. Eric, is that us or is that him? Let me see what it sounds like on the. Can you say something? Something. No, it's 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 definitely you. Are are you on speaker? Like your volume is very, very low. How about, how about now? Okay, I hear it. Okay. Okay, so um, just my reaction to the clip from uh, Majority Report. I mean, I mean, I think it, I think it really we're just seeing the class divide because um, with a like the AOC statement, the reason that they uh, she she didn't go there was part was that it was too thug, or people on her team said that. We all know what thug is. Um, is code for. And at the end of the day, Democratic Party has become part the party of the uh, professional managerial class. Um, AOC is no exception. And they did not want to be associated with the peasants. Um, and neither do um, Emma, and I, I keep forgetting the, her uh, unhinged <laughs> co-host name, but... Um, you know, no matter what, she, like it was just this, you know, cognitive dissonance against criticizing AOC for anything, and you know, they, I think they feel like they have to be positive towards Chris uh, Smalls, but it's almost like through, you know, gritting teeth because they, at the end of the day, they want nothing to do with the working class. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. Do you think that there was some type of because I kind of felt like there was some type of anger towards Chris Smalls, though, but I felt like no, Nomiki didn't really want to say that. 
Right. Yeah, they were definitely dancing around on it. Um, Emma really seems reluctant to to say it. She would she would say it, but it, it she didn't mean it. Uh, that was my uh, perception there. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, it's just they they just don't like. It's just they're on the the opposite end of the divide. It's that's why it's you know they say oh your your supporters are right wing. That's they they hate right wingers and they hate uh, the white working class. So any attempt any opportunity they have to tie anything to that, that's what they do. So it's it's just like people who slam you know Jimmy Dore for the same reasons. They he kind of appear, appeals toward to the to the working class and they, and they just. You know, they try to twist that into right wing, and yeah, that's 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 what we're seeing. Uh, it's, it's class loyalism is what it boils down to to me. Yeah, I think that a big part of this is for one. I need to. I want to remind everybody, like Nomiki's mom was a politician, so I, I just, you know, you can't help who your parents are, but I just want to paint this picture for you so you can understand where some of these talking points may be coming from, but. I mean, I don't want to really bring Emma into it because Nomiki was the one that just seemed to not want to agree on any of these points. Uh, class is an issue. And a lot of times we see people like Nomiki, people like Kyle Kalinske, people like uh, Crystal Ball. Like a lot of these people are wealthy or grew up wealthy, like not around working class people. They don't really understand what it's like to be poor. They don't understand what it's like to struggle. And it seems like sometimes they just hop on the next popular thing at that time. So right now, I mean, yeah, it's it's really popular to be like, yeah, pro-labor, pro-union. And I know Crystal has covered these stories like many times before in the past. But where was all this pro-labor, pro-union when they were trying to push everybody to vote for AOC, to canvas for, excuse me, canvas for AOC, canvas for Bernie Sanders, volunteer for them. It seemed like 80%, excuse me, 95% of their focus was on electoral politics, putting the progressives into the Democratic Party. That it should have never been that way. And I think this is the big problem. The majority of our focus should be on direct action and mutual aid. Now that it seems to be cool and trendy, now some other people want to jump on the, oh, yay, pro-union, pro-labor, yada, yada, like, because there's no Bernie, because there's no Bernie running for president this time. And I think some of these channels, I don't know what they're trying to do or what direction they're trying to go in, but I think they are kidding themselves if they believe that some of the people, some of us that were on the left are going to do this again. I mean, it's been guys got to understand Bernie Sanders ran twice in a row since 2016. It's been eight years. And I, I just don't understand, excuse me, not eight years. It's been, how many years has it been? Well, he started before 2016. It's been almost eight years. And it's it's a problem, like to just drag people along like this. Meanwhile, these people are rich. <laughs> They're the richer they came from money. So they associate with a certain class, a certain type of people. And I think that's important for people to know. This is why you don't see, they said, yeah, we should bring more union organizers on. 
Why weren't you doing that to begin with? Because you were too busy trying to push progressives through the Democratic Party. It's the same people come on every time. Like, you don't see them talk to everyday working class people on that show. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I got into a spat on Twitter with Sam Cedar because he was trying to virtue signal about the Supreme Court judge. And I'm like, no, you should not be happy about the Supreme Court justice just because she's black. That's virtue signaling. What are you going to do or what is she going to do for the black community? She protected the corporations. She didn't protect the people. And he didn't like that too much. And I'm sorry, but is has anything improved? There's so many people that were focusing on the Supreme Court justice. Yay, we got the first black woman. Meanwhile, at the same time, Amir Locks, murderers, just got the charges dropped in Minneapolis. I felt like the focus should have been on that. But no, everybody fell for the virtue signaling. So some people didn't even hear about that story. Not many people covered it either. So I went on kind of a rant there, but it's just like, to me, like there's a big class, there's a class divide. And they keep saying a lot of these people like David Dole and Mike Figueroa and, and Nomiki Kuntz and stuff, they want to smear us as like right-wing people because they don't want to address the real issue, which is the class divide. These people are all set when it comes to class. If this progressive uh, project that they are working on does not work out, at the end of the day, these people will still be fine. David Dole lives in a country where everyone has health care. And he has the audacity to smear organizers in the United States trying to fight for Medicare for all. They're deeply unserious people. They're not really here to really fight for anything. They're just trying to make a brand and make their money. And Nomiki said that about Crystal Ball. But to be real, Nomiki trying to do the same damn thing. That's why she's still trying to push people through the Democratic Party. I'm sorry. I went on a tangent there. Go ahead. Uh, no, uh, that, that's all good. Um, the only thing I'm going to add is just just be careful. Um, Sam Cedar might call back in and uh, give you a Sam explaining again. Oh, boy. all right have a good night okay thanks so much uh thanks so much for the super chat leo says love you sabby thank you so much for that that's sweet thank you for the uh super chat steven wow this is really generous the idea of pushing joe biden left is laughable at best i hear you there and max fiend said what is the beer tonight uh this is by gunner's daughter And it's a milk stout. Actually, no. It's by Mass Landing Brewing Company. Sorry. And it's called Gunner's Daughter Milk Stout. They also have one that's peanut butter and chocolate. That's really good, too. Thanks so much for that. Okay. I'm going to take the next caller here. Who do I have next? I'm going to, Lance, since you spoke already, I'm going to jump to Thomas because he didn't get to speak last time and I think he fell off. So, uh, Thomas, you are the next caller. Hello. Greetings. Oh, hi. Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm fine. Sorry about that earlier. I couldn't figure out the unmute thing. So, oh, no worries. 
So um, I, I, my read of the whole situation was it was basically just damage control. I think Nomiki realizes how damaging this is to AOC's brand, and she's trying to get out in front really quick. Um, I think that's basically what it is. And um, she she because uh, anytime somebody else like Justin Jackson comments like they have to address it because I feel like their reach is a little wider. Right. And so they have to comment on that. And I feel like she went on an unhinged rant because she knows how damaging this is that AOC built this brand. She's for working people for unionizing. And she she she, you know, hung them out to dry. That's damaging. They have to get out in front. And I think that she did a very poor job with this because I don't think that a lot they don't. I feel like my opinion is is they're not talking about what you don't hear about is a big demographic shift that is about to happen. The media kind of calls it the uh, gray tsunami. So you have these these big cohort of people, baby boomers, people in politics. They're all going to be gone 10 years. Like, And that that's just mm. a fact. And so I feel like what they're doing is they're creating these characters like AOC, the squad. They, they, they come out of obscurity, out of nowhere. They come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, they're socialists. All of a sudden, they're community organizers. And I feel like this is a long-term project. They're building them up. They're kind of trying to get a younger face because I think the real people that we should be careful and we should watch are the Justin Trudeaus, the the Buttigieg's because they're younger and they're going to be the replacements for, I guess, the old guard, if, if you look at it that way. And so it, it's very damaging for everything that they've done to get her to the point where she is right now to have her just completely just, uh, uh, you know, expose the fact that she, 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 every time she has the opportunities to fight, she doesn't. And it's not by accident. She's not supposed to. Like, that's not her role. That's not what she's there for. Uh, I, I, Jane Mayer about the Koch brothers. And the Koch brothers, if you look at how they're, what they've done is they've, they've had a, I mean, 10, 20, 30 year project where they've actually uh, defunded schools to the point where, where these schools have to get funding from their Koch network. And they're kind of indoctrinating people young people with these ideas and they have a long-term project and i feel like aoc the squad they are the 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 face of this long-term project and there's there's really nothing um you know left or if we you know we want to use that term about them because every time they had a chance to fight they didn't do it and they could have even they could have even uh made a better attempt at fighting you know i know we all know that they could lose they they would have lost anyways but they could have taken that opportunity to look better right and they still haven't because that's not what they're supposed to do that's just my read on the situation my opinion i don't he is 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 very triggered by the fact that there's a lot of work that's been put into aoc there's a lot of grooming but there's a lot of investment in her yeah, no, uh, well said. I, I do want to um, add on to something that you just said. That's a very good point that you just mentioned, because um, I don't know if everyone is aware of this, but uh, if you've been watching me for a while, you probably know this already. But yeah, I have right. AOC already. Um, AOC already had political connections because she interned for Ted Kennedy. And when she was running as a candidate, that wasn't mentioned. That was left out. 
And also the story that they told about her, oh, she's from the Bronx, you know, she grew up in the Bronx and she was a bartender and she made it and she did it so you can do it too. Uh, and that wasn't true. Like she, she went to Boston University. I worked at Boston University, so I, I knew a little bit more than some people. Uh, she did not grow up in the Bronx. She grew up out in the suburbs. She may have been born there, but she grew up in the suburban area. And they also did mention that the architect company that her father worked for, he owned. So he was like the president of the architect company. So they made it seem like she was this poor Latina girl who grew up in the Bronx and she went on and became, won this election and now she's going to be Congresswoman. And so just imagine this story. It's a good damn story to tell, but they didn't tell the real story. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. This, this was, I think she was chosen because she checked all the boxes. You know, and she's kind of like a she's kind of like a a celebrity in a sense. And and that's what they're trying to cultivate. And no mistake that she does not rise to the occasion. She's not supposed to. She this is all I don't want to say this is all it's it's just smoke and mirrors. Like, I don't buy it for a second. And and I think that um, the prop. So I think the the main issue is. This is a damage control situation. They're trying to groom the next group of leaders to take over because Congress is old. And they, I mean, Nancy Pelosi's 82. She has hundreds of millions of dollars. She still goes to work to make 200 grand a year. She could be with her great grandkids. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. How, how much time does she have left on earth, let alone Congress? This situation, Diane Feinstein, you look at all of these. Uh, it, there is going to be a massive shift soon. And if you look at, at, at uh, this country and you look at the entire Western world, our population rates are declining big time. And that's bad dressing, but it is bad for capital. South Korea has like a 0. 0.7 mm-hmm. or 8, uh, uh, um, their birth rate. That, I mean, if things hold constant, Korea will disappear in 70 years because people are not having kids. And so... I feel like, and, and, you know, maybe my tinfoil hat's on. Okay. Mm. Buttigieg. All of these are, car- like, especially Buttigieg is a carbon copy. Like, he has no, like, he doesn't believe in anything. I mean, like, you, you, you can tell from that. And so I think, I, I, to kind of pivot to Christian Smalls, I think, I feel that his success with the ALU is because he didn't go through traditional, which is very important, because those established institutions will, and, and, and so the, the, the thing I worry about Christian Smalls the most is he should be training his basement right now. If he's not doing that, that's a problem. I think people, people, uh, um, you know, they, they, they wanted to be part of his union because He's he's a guy that, that cares. Like you know, he has strong leadership skills, and I think that he needs to tra- start training the next group of leaders. Because if you don't, then all you have to do is get rid of Christian Smalls, and the movement, his his uh, union movement, kind of die. If he's not mm. capable of true oh Thomas, I think you're. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think, I think you're cutting out a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I was saying that I, I feel like he needs to start working on producing leadership, the next group of leaders. He needs to train his replacement. He, he needs to, to, to 
I think if there is going to be a leftist movement, I think that the leftist movement needs to build true leadership. Because if you have a movement based on one charismatic, Bernie doesn't make it, what happens? Everything collapses. Well, you can't, no movement is going to work on one person. It's got to be a set of ideas and there needs to be leadership. If, if you don't have leadership, I don't understand how you can have coordination. And you need coordination between groups of people, whether they're labor unions, whether they're activists, whether – and if you don't have leaders that can – if one leader gets taken out, you need to be able to have somebody step into that void. And if you don't, then, then, then it's going to be a problem. Like, you know, like, for example, with Lee Camp um, – um, Abby Martin, um, Chris Hedges, they take them off YouTube, right? Google willingly decides, oh, we're going to forego the revenue streams for this. Maybe it's not much, who knows, but that's easy money. That's just money that they're willing to forego by, by removing all of their, their, uh, entire catalog. Right. And so for me, that tells me that there's something about what they're saying that is resonating with people. Otherwise they wouldn't remove them. And so if you have no other leak fill that void, then that's all you need to do. And so I think is going to be a leftist movement. They need to think really hard about developing leadership that, that you know, um, you know, like I, I watch uh, Joy Gray. I listen to her podcast and she asked a question a long time ago about, well, where's the next Fred Hampton? And so my question is, well, what are we doing to make more Fred Hamptons, right? I, I would rather have three people that are half as good as one Fred Hampton, right? Because you have more people that can continue and fighting. One charismatic person, once you get rid of them, if 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 all of energy collapsed, then you have to really question was that movement really strong to begin with? And so Christian Smalls, uh the ALU I think it's great that they did not go with the legacy unions because that, that as uh, Shama Sawant said about the Democratic Party, that leads to a graveyard, right? Progressives in the Democratic Party, because that party will not succeed. You can't go, you have to go, you know, on your own, whether third party, yeah, yeah. third party in that case, you can't. But I, I, I feel, just my opinion, that leadership is, is fundamental. It's important. And, and without training and building leaders that are able to, to, to lead their tiny, uh, their section or their group or their union or their uh, local community organizing, it, it, it's, it's, it's going to make things very, very difficult. And it's easy for establishment to kind of, uh, you know, to ruin that. And, and the last thing I'll say about Nomiki is I always, I'm always cautious about when people narrowly define what the left is. And I think that could be a problem because when you narrowly define what the left is, it's easy for you to get into a shouting match. You're not leftist. No, you're not leftist. Well, you're not the true left. Well, you're not the true left. And I, I think, you know, I heard Jimmy Dore the other day mention um, a building a movement on, 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 on principles instead of you know, like, like, let's get together on this issue. It's, it's building a movement on issues. Right. And, and we can decide on the issue instead of trying to make this narrow, narrowly blind box. And, and, and I think right. in order for that movement to actually take hold, 
you need to reach out to people that normally wouldn't consider themselves leftists. Because the, the, the truth is, there's plenty of people out there that believe in these principles, that believe in healthcare, believe in living wages, but they don't, they're not socialists. They're not political. They're not, they're, they're people who prior military. They're people who are maybe working government. There's people who, all types of people from all different types of backgrounds that are normally not engaged in politics. And they might be put off by having this narrow defined box. Like you're a leftist. No, I'm a leftist. No, you're not a leftist because I'm a leftist. And it's just, and I think Nomiki does that so that she can smear because it's, it's Mm. damage control. There's no reason for her to bring Jimmy Dore into it. No reason to bring Aaron Matei into it. I'm surprised she didn't bring up Max Blumenthal. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. she is taking pot shots. It's kind of like the other day I watched Hillary Clinton talk about crypto just, just out of the blue. And she's, she's, railing against crypto for for seemingly who knows why right but i feel like nomiki is just kind of trying to take pot shots at, at, at all the things that is pretty much a threat to her brand i mean let, let's be honest air Matei's reporting max blumenthal they're doing great work and they're exposing you know you know certain things right. that the yeah, and so what What do you have to do? You have to smear them. You have to discredit. You have to do damage control because y- right. you're losing control of your narrative, and that that's troubling. And you can tell you how can t- unhinged she was. It, it was just so bizarre. There was something else there. And and one and, and, uh, and yeah, it was she, it was, it was a, I'm sorry. I was gonna say it was a bit much. Um, I do want to go ahead and get to the next caller. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, um, Savvy. Okay, Savvy, can you hear me? It's okay. I can, Delthea. You're on the mic. Um, I'm going to make this real quick, okay? Um, I think that um, Namiki was having a breakdown. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm serious. I think she was having a breakdown. I mean, she's always been wired and high strung, but this, this was beyond the pale. Um, as for AOC not coming to the, not coming you know, to help out with the strike. Um, she doesn't have time for strike. She has time for galas. So the next time they have a strike, they need to make sure they have a red carpet and design a clothes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> show up for that. Um, and I'd also like to mention something from earlier. Um, there's a book called The S Word, and it's about the history of socialism in America. And one of the things it points out is the reason why back in the first half of the last century, socialism did well in this country was because workers, they made a pact with small business. And both workers and small business were against the big bank and the corporatists. And I think we have to do that again. Biz- having a business doesn't make you a bad person. Being a corporatist makes you a bad person. And that's all I mm. got to say. Y'all have a good night, and I will talk to y'all later. Thanks so much, Delthea. Um, me here. Shout out to uh, Deha Co for the super chat. Jordan Sheraton of Status Coup covered the Amazon Union Drive from day one when no one else did. Everyone. Oh, excuse me. Everyone else is a Johnny come lately. 
bring him back on the show to discuss. Thank you so much for the super chat. Yeah, I agree. You're right. He has been doing it since the beginning. Um, Thanks for the super chat, John. We need more working people to stand up and fight against the boutique left. I agree with that as well. Shout out to you, What We've Been Thinking with Marcus Cage. Great show, Sabby. Shout out to Eric T for all that you do. Shameless plug. Looking forward to having you on the Political Matrix tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Sabby Rue, doobie doobie doo. That's right. I'll be on Marcus's Cage show tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for the super chat. Also, Ashura. Nomiki is Shrieky from Care Bears. Oh, man. Oh, boy. And thanks for this one, uh, Anthony. Watch your own politicians, our decentralized collab. Thank you so much for that, guys. Uh, I am going to go ahead and pick up uh, Lance. You're the next caller. Thank you for a second shot. (laughs) You know, uh, picking up on what Anthony said. Oh, first of all, I love you, buddy. Thomas, I mean. All us geezer. Boomers will be dead someday soon. You'll be you'll be good to go. I know we're taking up a lot of space and oxygen, and some wealth, but you know we'll be gone soon. I love it. I got a lot. No, no. Listen, ageism. I was born right in the middle of the boomer thing. You know, fifty-seven. But it's the last uh, acceptable, almost universal form of bigotry left is ageism. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm good with it. But so, uh, Sagar and Jetty, he hates us. But and that's another time for another. And I like him generally for a right winger. But no, but to AOC and all this stuff about Bernie and to pick up on what Thomas said, for real, I love you, brother. So he was talking about a movement that isn't based on leaders. Absolutely, there could be leaderless ones, but there have to be leaders in between. Bernie. So, and I have to say, Chris Hedges is right on point. In 2015, no, forget the Democrats. I'll never let you get there. They didn't. Same thing with 2020, obviously. So he says, you know, so Bernie, where's his movement? Everybody criticizes appropriately the squad. Where's your 13 million Twitter followers about, like, go out in the streets and, you know, on this cause of Medicare for all, whatever it is. Well, Bernie didn't do that either. And I'll just say this. Two quick points. So what I see is this is so clever. It's about a lot of other things, like you make the climate change so big that it's impossible. Instead of talking about cleaning up your back, you know, the the lakes in your community. And I, it's almost like you provocateurs can make you do that. So I think well-meaning people maybe are saying like, so with Bernie, so it's like the, the blob lobby, I call it, please don't steal it. But the hundred dollar donations, what are they for? Specifically, Cory Bush was the first of the squad to say, we are not going to vote as a block. We are going to vote our conscience and our district. She, she made that very clear. So what's your hundred dollars going for now? I don't want to see just let's go have full time billion, multi-billion dollar lobbyists. But what you, you don't you know, so there are environmental lobbies. There was a no nukes, you know, people that was great. And, uh, you know, and not just environment that whatever's left of the union that's strong and not corrupt that, you know, so there are interest groups that are good ones that are on the good side. But where is the you know, but so when you put a hundred dollars in a in an envelope somewhere, it goes to AOC and she gives it to corporate Dems candidate you know uh, campaigns you know so that's why it's got to be third party it's i call it the blob lobby because this hundred dollar small donor yeah we don't take corporate therefore you're not answerable to anyone you're not answerable to all the small people who have all kinds of different interests it's just this big blob of money that that doesn't do anything for anyone specifically and that's building on piggybacking on what thomas said and the other thing about aoc i guarantee it 
you know, Nancy Pelosi, you're a little maybe too generous, Savvy. Maybe you weren't talking about her specifically, but she came up through the Baltimore politics. Her father was a was a big dude in either Maryland State or at least Baltimore City politics. Baltimore to this day is dirty, dirty, dirty. It always has been. Not on the radar like Chicago, L.A., and New York, maybe. But And then she went from there to San Francisco. I can tell you kind of first half of being there is these like mob guys who have like with their own name with a two foot tall thing called Big Al and the guy named Al in there. Yeah, how you doing with a toothpick in his mouth and the three-piece suit? It's crazy. San Francisco and Baltimore might be the two dirtiest cities of all in terms of politics. That's Pelosi. She wasn't a mm. progressive. She wasn't a progressive to turn moderate. She could see the golden prize. She, you ever see the movie All About Eve? All I, I haven't. All I got. It's this young girl, Ann Baxter, and she's there with a raincoat, and she watches every, you know, she has to scramble money and find in the seat cushions to watch these this star. But eventually she takes over the star, and she's just this manipulative person. That's what these people do, and that's what Pelosi, I guarantee one quick thing, I would love to be a fly on the wall. At some point, before and after the mama bear stuff, when she was still maybe going to buck the system a little bit, all of a sudden, she starts calling Pelosi Mama Bear. Now, Pelosi's Italian, and half a century ago or more, being Italian mattered, right? Like being, not quite like being black, but you're the glass ceiling, if not out and out, you know. Here's AOC, a person of color. I guarantee Pelosi probably had a, a true story, probably, about gumshoe with sneakers that she wore out working in the precincts back in the day. And she told, she gave AOC this thing. You can go in the short term and be that one-term person and have some great causes and then try to go online and have a, have a TV show somewhere. Or you can be me in a couple decades. Just pick your pick your targets here and there and bide your time because I was an Italian and now you're the new, you're Hispanic and I'm sure she just gave her a whole scenario where she's going to be like the next generation Pelosi put those kind of like careerist stars in her eyes. I'll stop there. I don't know what to think about all that, Savvy, but I'd love your opinion on that because your your insights are always so profound, really. So I definitely do see AOC like preparing herself to be the next Nancy Pelosi. I really do see that happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if AOC also wants to run for president. Like, I just don't buy the whole, like, story about her. Oh, I'm fine being a one-term congressperson. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And I don't know if I've mentioned this uh, since Afini has been on this show, but Afini came on here. This is last year going uh, way back. Afini came on and she had met with AOC and Cori Bush uh, in DC when they were at the Capitol uh, protest. And Afini had a discussion with AOC and AOC told Afini, if you guys want anything to get done, you're going to have to have pressure on the outside. You're going to have to organize on the outside because they are not going to do anything for you in here. And I think yep. everybody really needs to hear that. Yep. Yep. And that's why Jimmy Dore, now I'll say this about Jimmy Dore, I love the guy. I think he's got great with uh, you know, oxing gores, but there's a few sacred cows he's got to push back on somebody else's. I mean, I love the guy, but there's a few sacred cows he likes to protect. And I think he covers things a little bit more than maybe just for clicks a little bit, but I love him. I love him. He's a real deal. And whenever he opens his mouth, he's, you know, he has people now on staff that I think are feeding him stuff that maybe if he was by one-to-one, he might question a little bit, but no, he's a real deal. He says what he believes and he's on the right side of things. But here again, I can disagree with him a lot. I disagree with Glenn Greenwald more than I do Matt Diaby and others, but so what? We're all on the same team, but Sabby, so many people that won't criticize the left and know me, he's a nut. 
She's just a nut. And that's why they love her. <laughs> she's a nut with left credibility. That's all she is. And she saw the polls and they said, no, Miki, get out there. You know, and she's scrambling and she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know what she is. She's just out there trying to say enough things. She sounds exactly like these right wingers, like Marjorie Taylor Greene or, you know, I don't know how Marsha Blackburn, she's really not as dumb, I think, when I thought she was a fringe, you know, but, you know, but like some of these people, it's just like, They'll just say anything, and she sounds just like one of those crazy right-wingers. Sorry, that's what Nomiki sounds like. Mm, thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. All right, guys, these are going to be the last two callers I take tonight because um, I'm getting close on storage space, and I'm looking at the time. Uh, so, Reggie, you are the next caller. Appreciate uh, being able to get on this call. Uh, I've been watching this for quite a while, and uh, my views on this has evolved quite a bit. Originally, I think that a lot of the people were, you know, progressive was the right way to go, even though I have a lot of more conservative feelings on fiscally. But I, I think what's going on right now is it's all a class war, and that both the Democrats and the Republicans are standing up for the class with the money and it was always the Republicans before, but since the Democrats had traditionally been taking care of the working class and labor, but they gave that all up with a neoliberalism. And so since they're no longer working towards making anything better for people who work for a living, other than to meet the white collar upward uh, mobile professionals that they're couching everything in, identity politics and trying to get uh, and trying to go deep on these uh, either on the other side as being religious nuts or right wing, you know, a uh, racist. And uh, in reality, a lot of the people who are working class are not like that. They're, they're, they work very hard. They have different, you know, they go to church on Sundays. You know, I'm not religious, but I always grant people the, you know, they can, they believe what they need to believe, you know, as long as they work hard and try to do well for the, their neighbors, friends, family in the country. So what they're doing is hiding the fact that they aren't looking out for anybody in the working class. It used to be when you're in the middle class, the the description of being in the middle class, pretty much the, the line was to be able to own a home, whether you owned a home or you could buy a home. That's not the case now. Now the middle class, I would say probably 90% of the middle class can't buy a home, can't own a home, and it's getting greater and greater. And this is, uh, the country is making more money. We're, more money is being made per person in this country. It's just all being shifted up to the top. And all of these people, almost all of them, are part of that who have that. And that's what they're looking for as their main constituents that they worry about but they still want to try to keep the working people lined up. So they line up on the identity. They, you know, the, the right wing lines up, but well, look at all them people with their hands out. You know, they just need to work harder. It's the, the millionaires that take care of it, care of us. And they do that also on the left. You know, they, they embrace identity politics. And it says it's all these, uh, the deplorables, you know, the, uh, it's all these, you know, these rednecks out in the, the middle countries. You know, middle part of the country, but it's really not. What it is is all meant to keep us at each other's throats instead of 
paying attention to the fact that, you know, with with uh, inflation calculated into it, that we're all making less, uh, much less than we were the generations before us. And that's where we're going, even though the country, through uh, the use of technology, we're doing much better. Well, you know, uh, I'd say as a overall, that doesn't mean that the majority of us are, the majority of us aren't. And so yeah. I think that people like Nomiki, Sam Cedar, TYT, a large group of these people are, I feel, have been turned in that they're looking out to try to keep the masses of people who would vote for them to still keep voting for them, even though they're no longer trying to get anything for them. So what they do is they always, you know, they're always crying about, well, we're working really hard for Medicare for all. We're working hard for a living wage. It's just amazing that it never happens, no matter whether they have a majority or not. Well, it's not amazing. Okay. It's by design. And it's meant to try to pretend like they're, you know, trying to keep drug prices down. They're, they're trying to take care of the people when they're really not. They're they're taking care of their own bank accounts and the people are putting money in their bank accounts. So anyway, it's a yep. it's all a class war. And they don't, you know, and they go out of the way not to say that it is they're they're talk racism. They talk uh, uh, politics that uh, it's because these people are either religious zealots or they live in the city. It's not that. It's a class war. It's the people that have money and are ensuring that they keep on making it and their family makes it and those that are trying to work for it. It's not a meritocracy. It's, you know, we're heading much deeper into an oligarchy. That's where we're at. And uh, everything mm. is kind of, uh, you know, it's it's they're trying to hide it, but it seems pretty obvious to me that it's all about money and who gets the money. Well said, Reggie. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to take the last caller and that'll be Will. All right, Will, you are on the mic. Hey, you can hear me, Seb? No. I can hear you. Hey, uh, I ain't going to be too long. I'm going to just say. Get off now. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to say, we've been having a lot of talk about putting pressure on politicians or whatever. We should be done with that. It's, it's time to go after the donors. I think if you put pressure on the donors and put pressure on these companies, you see, like, when I think. It was something going on in, in New York, and then everybody turned they, they head at Coke, and then all of a sudden Coke started making certain uh start saying certain things and start changing up their language. And yeah. then BLM, all these companies, they started to integrate BLM. I'm I am i am playing 2K, a basketball game, it's BLM all through the video game. Like I'm a lot of this stuff is all company is company based our politician is company based we going after them when they just repeating what companies and billionaires are telling them to say and we're telling them to do <clears throat> you look at fox news the billionaire was saying all i want to do is get fixed roads and and that's all we should do is fix the roads like we should you no know, politicians shouldn't have nothing to do with nothing else but fixing roads like they got a whole different philosophy of how 
are politicians supposed to behave? Are politicians no more belonging to the people, belonging to companies and people with money? So it's a it's, it's more of a celebrity game now. That's that's a different type of Hollywood. It's more like the intellectual Hollywood. It's, it's the entertainment Hollywood and it's the intellectual Hollywood. They just stars of, of the politics, but they not necessarily controlling us. They actors. They the, they the, they the, like the the movie studios is the controllers of Hollywood. But at the end of the day, everybody we take pictures of the stars. We looking at Will Smith and and all the stars, but ain't nobody really looking at who 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 made the movie. You don't, you don't, you don't see those them people all in the movie at all in the papers and stuff like that. You see the movie stars in the papers and everything like that. Like you don't see Quentin Tarantino too much unless he's doing some type of uh uh interview or something. So we need to focus more on companies. Everything needs to be more company based. Like the government when they sanction stuff, they sanction and what they do, they start drawing back from companies. They start taking companies out of people, uh, countries or whatever the case may be, because they the things that run there and put money into their economy. And once you take those companies out, you're taking jobs away from the people. Everything is company based. If we put pressure on the companies, I believe we'll get a lot more done than putting pressure on politicians. Politicians, for real, for real, they start feeling neglected. Like, why ain't nobody talking about us? <laughs> But anyway, that's all I'm saying. That's that's a good point, Will. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh. All right, Martin. Um, I see you joined Martin real quick. I got um shoot balls. What's wrong with this? I don't even know why. Oh, hold on. Because I said Will was going to be the last caller. Yeah, because of my time. Because I don't have storage. I'm so sorry. Um, or enough storage space anymore. But guys, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, this was a really good discussion. Uh, again, I think at the end of the day, a lot of this has to do more with class than left and right. And I've noticed like a lot of people... Well, some people who keep focusing only on left and right, it seems like to me they tend to want to avoid the class issue because if they have to discuss that, then that would implicate themselves as well. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Sabby Sab's podcast. I really appreciate hanging out with me tonight. Hit that like button, guys. If you didn't get a chance to, I'm going to go ahead and end this segment on call in.